we're going we're gonna to continue in Galatians. We're gonna, I'm going to kick off our new series here about faith. Uh, and kind of the power of faith. And we're going to use the Galatians as our example. But when I, when I say the word faith, I think uh, we need to kind of talk about what that means. Because there are a lot of things that can come to your mind. Like, if you, if you follow what Hollywood tells you faith is, faith is what makes Santa Claus real. You know, if you believe in something, something will happen. And that's kind of this empty idea that really just, every time I see it on the screen, it gets, I get upset about it, right? It's like, that's not, that's not real. Like, I can't have faith in something that's going to fall apart. Like, that doesn't make it any more real. Or um, if I say faith, you might be thinking of the, the people that say, just send us money and, and, and whatever, whatever is going on in your life, you're gonna be, it's going to be fixed. Just sign a check to this ministry and, and everything's going to be good. And that's, that, uh, that also just gets me really, really upset when I see those things because, again, it's, it's, it's not the faith that I see in the Bible, right? The faith that we see there is really uh, a response to a reality-changing truth, right? Paradigm shifting. We're talking about real Christianity, like the gospel truth should change your entire reality. And that's what faith is. Faith is acting on that. And that's uh, what we're going we're gonna to be talking about this morning. When we look at the Galatians, they, they, were, they had faced that faith. They had seen that faith. Uh, they had been living in there. And then they started adding more things. They started bringing in things uh, to, to make their relationship with God better in some way, to make, their, to make this, to supplant what, what God has done with their, their own ideas. So we're going to see that instead of actually improving their relationship with God, improving what was going on, they're actually going to be hindering their relationship. Anytime we add more to what God has done, it, it falls short, right? So if you, have, uh, if you have your Bible, you want to go ahead and open up to Galatians 3. We're going to really see that when we talk about faith, we, we see that it begins in reason, it, and, it, and it's completed in action. Our faith as Christians is a reasonable response, and there is a completion of that faith, and that, that's through action, through works. So in Galatians 3, it says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing by, with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun this, by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Dear Lord, we want to come before you this morning and just give it to you. Lord, we want, we want the reality of your truth 
to be impacting every facet of our lives, Lord. We want to walk forward in faith. We want to act in faith, Lord. We want our decisions to be driven by you, by who you are, by what you've done, by what you're doing, Lord. We want, we want to be a step forward in, in that power, Lord. So we just pray, Lord, that uh, your word today would change us and just reveal yourself more deeply to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So he starts off with, O foolish Galatians. This is actually the first time that Paul has addressed the Galatians directly since the beginning of the letter. And the first thing he says is, you guys are being foolish. Yeah, that's, that was my reaction. So we're at the center, kind of the center of the letter. This is kind of the big part. And what Paul is really saying here is not saying you guys are idiots. He's saying he's, his heart is broken for the church that he pastored, the church that he planted. And what he's calling out is their lack of spiritual discernment, not their lack of intelligence. Right? He's not saying you're stupid. He's saying you've been misled. This is not, this is not the truth. This is not the truth you've experienced. You know the truth. It's like when you're training a child uh, and they, they do the thing that you've told them, don't do that. It's like, no, I've told you to, to not do this. So he's calling them foolish because not only is that it, but remember that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The actions they're doing are denying who God is. They're denying the power of God. What they're doing is they're bringing in works. They're bringing in actions to say like, if I follow this part of the law, I'm closer to God. This is what I do to please God. If I do these things that, were, that are in his law, I will make God happy. God will love me more somehow by doing these things. So by adding these things to, to the truth, which is God loves us completely from before we were created before the universe was created he loves us completely it's his nature it's who he is so the moment that we start to replace that with a different idea of who god is we've actually replaced god with an idol the idol of my own works the idol of this is the god that i need to serve in this way i need to make happy in this way he goes further to say that you've been bewitched, right? Who's controlling your mind? It's, uh, Paul, again, is not attacking them. He's actually attacking the idea. And when he says, who has bewitched you here, it's actually a singular who. I know that he's later going to call these people troublemakers that are bringing in these ideas that, hey, you need to get circumcised if you want to please God. You need to do this if you want to please God. But... The who here in the, in, in the original language is actually singular, and we know who that who is, right? That's the adversary, the devil, who's bringing in these ideas to attack God's church. I remember um, when the boys were uh, a little bit younger. I still have, they're still pretty young. But um, they, uh, my wife would tell them, okay, it's time to clean up the room. And so they'd be playing, of course, it'd be like, World War III had happened in my living room. There's like Legos and toys everywhere. And she'd say, okay, go, it's time to clean up the room. And so they'd start putting things away. And I think there's even a cleanup song. And uh, they, uh, she would leave the room because they're doing what, what she asked. And then she would come back and they'd be playing again. It's like nothing had changed. 
And she would tell me, I don't understand. I told them to clean the room. What's going on? I had to explain to her, look, you told them to clean the room, but you left. They've forgotten that, that you told them to clean the room. I know how they think because I think the same way. You tell me to do something, I'm like, okay, let's do it. But you left, and then I got, there was a shiny thing over here. And so, like, that distraction, right? This is kind of like what I, Paul's heart, like, I've left the room. Like, what distracted you? What shiny thing is here? How, what is controlling you here? Like, what you had was good. Is good. Don't try to change it. Um, it says that... Um, Paul says he portrayed to them Christ, uh, Christ crucified, right? Because he was their uh, founding pastor. You, know, you can read about it in Acts uh, 13 through 14, but uh, he's starting to give them a common reference point here. These are the things that we have in common. I was there. I know exactly the gospel that you heard because I preached it to you. I know exactly the Jesus that you heard. I preached him to you. In fact, uh, if you want to take a quick look with me over at Mark chapter 1, let's talk a little bit about that. 114. This is, uh, this is uh, the, perhaps... I don't want to make a claim it is the shortest, but it's perhaps one of the shortest explanations of what the gospel is. And it comes straight from Jesus, and and I love it. Uh, It says, uh, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Did you guys catch that? Repent and believe in the gospel. He's telling them to repent and believe what? What's the gospel? Let's take a look. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand now. And that's, that's, that's what we hold on to as Christians. That's the reasonable faith that we have. That the kingdom of God is now today. The time is, the time is fulfilled. Jesus came. A lot of Christians will, live, will lead their, their, their life like there's, I'm, a, I'm saved as a Christian and then at the end I'll just kind of float into heaven right? Like, I'll just cruise along. I believed. I'm good. Sealed. Done. And then I'm just going to land in heaven if I just kind of hang out. Cool. But Jesus is actually saying something entirely radical. He says, now is the kingdom of heaven. The time is now fulfilled, right? That reality, holding on to that gospel is a powerful faith. Holding on to that thing that it's now. It's not for we will be perfected in heaven. That's true. But it's right now that the reality has to be understood. That the gospel is for today, for now. 2020. In Hebrews 11, it talks about faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. A lot of times like I was saying, we, we have this concept of faith that it's this idea, this, this feeling. If I just get super excited about something, that's what faith is. I believe it enough. I, I, act, you know, I try to get my heart in the right mood, and that's what faith is. When faith 
as described in the Bible, is, is substance, it's evidence. Instead of substance, it can be translated reality, right? Faith is reasonable. It starts with reason. Jesus came. That's the gospel. I believe that is faith. His, the kingdom of heaven is now. I believe that right now. That's faith. Now, with those ideas, I act. Right? That's who I am. If you imagine it like a door that's swinging in front of you. On one side of the door, you've got the cross. And on the other side of the door, you've got heaven. Let's say eternity, okay? And the door is swinging. Now, we know the truth of the gospel today at hand now. We know the future perfection, heaven. The swinging part, that's where we're at. We're right in the middle there where faith is active and real. The, th- the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of, you know, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the future, heaven, eternity, perfect, faith perfected. Right now is when faith acts, expecting the truth, knowing the past. So Paul continues and says, let me ask you only this, which I think is hilarious because then he asks them like five questions. But uh, the truth is they all have basically the same kernel underneath all five of the questions. It's like, He's, bas- he's asking them, is this what you've experienced? Have, is this really the God that, 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 that you know? The God that needs you to get circumcised, needs you to, 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 to wash your hands, needs you to do these things to love him? Is that really the God that you've, that you've, not, that you've, done, that you've seen? He's really uh, starting to point out the hypocrisy, the paradox in these ideas. So he says, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or hearing with faith? He's identifying that these are the Christians, that first of all, they're Christians. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by faith? He's not doubting their Christianity. Second of all, he's going through and saying, your salvation that you hold on to was nothing you earned. In Romans, Paul says we were enemies with God when he loved us. He reconciled us. Enemies. How hard is it for me to love the person that cuts me off on the freeway or whatever, right? How hard is it for me, you know, I can find easy, easy reactions that, that are unloving, but God just says, no, you know what? You can kill my son and I love you. You don't, You've done nothing to deserve this. And that's where Paul is taking them. Paul, the we that Paul is talking about, we were still enemies, is including himself, right? Paul, who was a Pharisee, who was you know, a zealot for God. Still, uh, still a zealot, but now uh, with knowledge. It's kind of like going to a birthday party. And, uh, or having people come to your birthday party. Flip that. Uh, having people come to your birthday party and then paying them for presents. It's like, okay, so you're coming to my birthday party. You're going to give me this gift. But, you know, how much was that? Oh, that was, that was $20. Here, here's $20. Why even have, it's not a gift. 
you're trying to earn the gift. And it really, it's, it's offensive, right? But it nullifies the gift. It says, well, really, I could have just not shown up. You could have bought yourself this thing. So this is exactly what the Galatians are attempting to do with God's gift. So then he continues and says, Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Faith doesn't end at salvation, right? It continues through our life as God is perfecting us. As I said, we're, we've got that, we're being made, God is... Uh, working on us through this time as we go on to perfection, which is in eternity with him. But uh, now that they've been saved, Paul is asking, now do you earn it? It's, I think I get where the Galatians are coming from here. Like how many times do we have how we treat the people who come over as guests, our friends, and how do we treat our family? A lot of times those can be two different ways. The things that, that people do come into our house. Uh, and uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. Please don't take this the wrong way. I love you. You can wear shoes in my house. But if you come over to my house and you wear shoes in my house, I won't say anything because I want you to be comfortable. Wear shoes in my house. My kids walk into the, into the door with shoes on their house. They're going to get yelled at. Not yelled at corrected take the shoes off right because well also they've probably been walking around after they clean up the dog do but um but the point is right like there's a different level of treatment there like different level even almost it feels like we have more grace and patience with people that we you know who are outside of that circle of family which is kind of weird um i i don't like treating people differently based on that but uh, if, you, if you apply that mentality to God, then you say like, okay, so I've been saved. I'm in the family now. So now, do I wear the shoes? Can I, do I have to take the shoes off? Is God going to yell at me? What do I have to do to make God happy now? But that's just not how the relationship works. Again, we, we did nothing to earn it to enter in. We, we do nothing to earn God's love more. He works on us. It's his decision. It's his salvation. It's his work on us. And it's our faith to accept the gift, to walk in it, to know that the reality is that the kingdom of heaven is now. He goes on to say, did you suffer so many things in vain? So here's uh, Paul asking these Galatians if all the things that they've suffered uh, uh, just have been empty, vain, useless. Now the word for suffered could be translated two ways, suffered or experienced. Could be kind of a negative or a positive, really. Uh, however, whatever way you slice it, uh, it could have been uh, that you know, Paul is talking about the, uh, the trials that they were going through, which, I mean... It feels like we want we want trials to be over as soon as they've started, and a lot of times we will do our best to get out of the trial. And if you've ever been through a good, hard 
trial, which I'm sure most of you have. There's no working out of it. And you are left on your knees pleading before God with nothing to bring to the table, no way to escape. Just like if you've noticed the theme through all three of these so far, it's all been a work of God and not a work of man. In the, time, in the case of what, what we're suffering, what we deal with, what we go through, it's the power of God that carries us through. He promises to take us through these things. If it's experienced, it could be in the same manner, you know, all these, he's going to talk about miracles in a minute. He could be talking about all, all the power that God has acted. Again, nothing that we bring to the table. Entirely God's work on us and through us. So he's, Paul is asking them, with all the stuff that you've, with, with your salvation, with the perfection that God is working in, the changes that you've seen that God is working in your lives, with the stuff that you've dealt with, good or bad, which of any of those was you and which of, of all those were God, right? So it says in five, uh, does he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's repeating the question from the earlier verse, right? Did God give them his spirit and display his powers by works of the law or does or did he do so in response to their hearing of the truth and receiving it with faith right so the gospel is received in faith god works in and through us in faith and faith is shaped by our reality in verse 6, it says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And Paul, so Paul has gone through all of their experience. Now he's going back to what they, they, hold, they hold on to. He's going beyond the law, right? Before, there was no law when Abraham uh, believed, and God counted it righteous. The law came later. So Abraham's faith is what was right before God, and there was nothing he did to earn it. God said, um, in Hebrews 11, again, it says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called out to go, uh, called to go out to a place that he was going to uh, receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. I do that a lot, but uh, that gets me lost. It's usually not God. Um, actually, this morning even, I was trying a new, new way to get to church didn't work. Uh, but Abraham was following God's direction because the reality was he trusted what God said and he did it. And that's faith working itself out. So to the Christian, when we, when we talk about the law, we see it on the other side of salvation. We don't see it leading to it, right? We don't see it as these are the things I do to please God. To the Christian, the Ten Commandments are the works that come after through the power of God. The, the, I heard a description of the Ten Commandments the other day that I thought was great. Um, and if you look at it, six of the f- ten are all negative. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. As a parent, I understand that. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? It, 
it's easier to say don't than to explain all the subtleties of I love you so much that I want your marriages to be right. I want your relationships to be right. I want, you, I want, I want our relationship, you know, my relationship with you, God's to us, to be right. And that's why Jesus, when describing the Ten Commandments, he says, look, there's two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments are in there. And all of that comes through the power of God working us, the reality shaping faith that we have. James 2 says, so also, by, uh, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. This is where works fit. They work after faith, not before. They aren't to please God. I don't earn anything new through my works from God. But what I do is I honor him and I glorify him. And that's how you can tell the difference. Is what I'm doing glorifying God or is it glorifying me? James continues and says, You see that faith was active along with his works, speaking of Abraham, and faith was completed by his works. Faith begins in reason and is completed in action. Not too long ago, um, in fact, it's probably still going on today, people were making a lot of fun of, of Christians, of, or well, anyone, I don't know, maybe they were Christian, but they were saying, oh, I'll send my thoughts and prayers. People were suffering, and oh, I'll send my thoughts and prayers. And I was offended on two, two accounts at this. I was angry, because one, thoughts and prayers are powerful. God is real, and I believe in the power of prayer. Two, I get what they're saying, because thoughts and prayers are, how is that going to help somebody who's, who needs a blanket, uh, who needs food, who needs whatever it is, right? Where's the action? So I would encourage you, going out of this, that let faith be real. Let the gospel be real. Pray for people, yes, but also act on it. Take it to completion. Let your faith be active because it's not, we're not looking... We are looking towards the end. We are looking towards perfection. But right now is when faith should be acted. Right now is when the church should be active doing things. Not out of compulsion, not out of um, self-pity or whatever else, but purely out of the power of an amazing God who loved me, died for me, did all this works in me and I do nothing to earn or deserve it but he loves me regardless so let's let's pray dear heavenly father we want to come before you this morning lord we just pray that your gospel would just preach to us lord just we would not lose sight of that we would hold tightly to that lord that today would be the day that our faith would be acted, our faith would be real. Lord, we don't want to bring anything into the, into the discussion that doesn't belong. We want, we want to honor you with our lives, Lord. We thank you so much for your love for us, undeserved as it is. We just lift you up. We want to glorify you with our lives, Lord. Show us this week how we can honor you. Show us, let our faith just work out in, in, 
in amazing ways this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.